Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. I am so thankful today that I get to. That I get to. I don't, I don't have to. I just get to. Amen. I, I get to be here with you. I get to be worshiping the Lord. I, you, you understand this. I have a song to sing. I have a song to sing, and it's a song that the holy angels don't know because they've never tasted and seen the redemptive power and the goodness of God in the way that you and I have. So today I'm here because I, I get to be. You know what? Every year I visit, uh, this is Palm Sunday, as Pastor Lisa mentioned, every year I visit uh, the, the, the triumphal entry narrative, and I just look at that, examine that text, and uh, you know, I've preached from this text so many times. As a matter of fact, when I start my message today, you're probably like, well, we've heard this before. Maybe you have. I don't know. <clears throat> so, um, none, nonetheless, every time I visit this passage, I find a new facet, a new dynamic. Every time I visit the well of this narrative, there's always something new and fresh, and it's amazing. It's amazing. So I want to I invite you today to turn with me to Luke's Gospel, the 19th chapter. Luke chapter 19, and we're going to read together beginning about verse 28. And there are a number of things we could turn our attention to today, but I want to look at the amazing worship celebration that's going on in this text. And I want to I direct your attention back to, to verse 28 because... As we're going to focus on the latter parts of this text, we've got to know how we got to where we're at in the text. So I want, to, I want to just walk you through a few things here. So if you've got your spot there, Luke's Gospel, 19th chapter, let's begin in verse 28. Shout amen if you got it. Hold up if you need a second. All right. Oh, hey. All right. We're just going to wait. All right. Praise the Lord. Yeah, it's going to be on the screen, so jump in here with us and follow along. When he had said this, he's talking about Jesus, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near Bethpage that, and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you where you're going to enter and you're going to find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosening it, loosing it, thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So, those who were sent went their way and they found it. You need to underline this next phrase in your Bible. Because life is this way. Life will be this way for you. If you will stand on the word of the Lord, you'll find it to be true. That they went and they found it just as Jesus had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. And then they brought it to Jesus. They brought him to Jesus and they threw their clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as they went, many spread their clothes on the road. And then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, for all the mighty works they had seen, 
saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory on the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd and said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But when he answered, and, but he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. I want to welcome you into a dangerous space this morning. I want to welcome you into the imagining mind of Steve Evans. And I got to tell you that as I read this text, as I, every time I visit this text, my, my mind goes, my imagination just goes into overdrive. And today, I don't want to be considered extra biblical, but I do want to consider some of the possibilities that might have been on this day. As I'm, as I'm thinking through this text, I, I'm, I, I'm just, I look at this whole scenario unfolding that, that Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says, I want you to go the next city over and there you're going to find a colt tied on which no man has ever sat. I want you to loose it and bring it here to me because I have need of it. And I'm going to tell you something today, church. It doesn't matter how insignificant you feel today. If you read that text right there, it should speak something to you. It should resonate on the inside of you that if Jesus can say of a little colt, of a little donkey, that he has need of it, that he's useful for the kingdom work and the advance, you should feel this morning a deep resonance in your spirit that God has a purpose for your life too. There is a plan for you. There is something that God has in store for you that is so much greater than being anchored and tied to the fear and the insecurity of this life. Be loosed in the name of Jesus. Amen? But it's Jesus has need. So, but I, I can almost see them on their return as they're coming back to, to bring that cult to Jesus. I, I can almost see them re-entering the crowd and, and Jesus' disciples just, first of all, they're just, when he gives them these instructions, they just kind of look at each other and shrug their shoulders and say, mm. Mm. he asked for that kid's lunch one time and they fed 5,000 a multitude, even more than that. So, I mean, mm. He told us to get in the boat and cross over to the other side, and we encountered the storm. He came walking on the waves, said, peace be... I don't always understand everything he says to me, but I do know this, that if he said it, it will come to pass. So what we're going to do is we're just going to walk in obedience right now, and we're going to go the next city over, and we're going to do exactly like he said, and I can see him on the return. And they've got this little colt in tow, and they're just staring at Jesus with a renewed amazement. And they thought they had seen it all, but yet again, he had not failed to awe them. And they begin to prepare this beast for Jesus to set on. As they've done, and as they've done this, they begin to travel, and they begin to share this story with the crowd. And they said, you know what, guys? You won't believe it. It was just like Jesus said. The, the donkey was over there in the next city. We didn't have any problem finding him. We started on time. The owner did come out. We're so glad that the Lord told us what to say because we answered with the words just as we were instructed. And the funny thing is, the owner said, okay. Let, let me, you know, we read these things sometimes and I think we fail to put ourselves in that space. So I want to I contextualize for you what's really going on with this donkey that makes this so amazing in the beginning. 
Okay? The, the donkey was both a beast of burden and a mode of transportation. So in other words, he's the ancient equivalent to the modern-day pickup truck. So imagine with me for just a minute that you go outside of this space today, you walk out in the parking lot, and there's somebody out there in your vehicle saying, hey, toss me the keys, the Lord has need of it. That's the response that we'd all be expecting, right? I'm going to tell you something. If Jesus calls on me to go and commandeer somebody's vehicle for the work of the kingdom, let's just say I'm going to be a little more than apprehensive. Right? I'm just not going to be too comfortable with that situation. But he's, you know, they're like, sorry, man, we're commandeering this vehicle for the purpose of the kingdom. Jesus needs your donkey. And, and they're like, he's like, okay. And they come back and they said, I can't believe this. This is amazing. This is amazing. And they begin to share their testimony about what has just transpired. And, and this is where my imagination kicks in. And I'm just like, I wonder who else was there on that day. I wonder who else was following Jesus on this triumphal entry. And I wonder, you know, sometimes when, when I begin to tell of the goodness of God, when I begin to share about something that's happened in my life, doesn't something begin to well up on the inside of you that you begin to remember and you begin to recall a time when the Spirit of the Lord moved in your life so powerfully? You begin to remember a time when the Lord touched you, when He healed you, when He provided for you, and it's all you can do? You're like Jeremiah. It's like a fire shut up in your bones and you just want to tell somebody how I, I, I wonder who else was there in that crowd and again I'm not trying to be extra biblical in my approach but I, I do think that not only is this a part of my imagination but I believe it's well within the realms of possibility that, that maybe they were there sharing that testimony they they finished up telling about retrieving this colt and and all of a sudden this this voice came from way back in the crowd and, and, and they said, wait, who's, who's, who's that speaking up? And finally, this little dude comes and pushes his way through. You've read about him before because you, you would understand that there was a time when he heard that Jesus was passing through and he was a wee little man and he wasn't able to see over the crowd so he had to go and climb up in the sycamore tree. This time he comes pushing through and says, oh guys, let me tell you something. When you were testifying about the goodness of God, it reminded me of a time that the Son of Man came through seeking and saving that which was lost and he found me in a sycamore tree, called me down down and went to my house and shared communion with me and I have never been the same since I, I, I you know I, he said I was marred down in the depths of sin but he picked me up he turned me around he set my feet on a solid ground and today salvation has come to my house and I imagine no sooner did Zacchaeus finish speaking than a man named Bartimaeus stepped out of the crowd. And he says, you know what? It wasn't too long ago that I was sitting beside the road begging because I was blind. And, and I, I heard a commotion. And I said, what is all this noise about? And somebody said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And I began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the more I called out, the more people told me to be quiet. And the more people told me to be quiet quiet the more I called out until Jesus called me out and he put his hands on me and he blessed me and he healed me and I can tell you that I once was blind but now I can't see I imagine that after he begins finishes testifying there that all of a sudden this man steps out and he says you don't know my name 
History never recorded it in the books. I'm not in the scriptures, but I want to tell you something. I was 38 years lame by a pool when I met Jesus. And I'm telling you that what tradition couldn't do for me, what folklore couldn't do for me, what, what wives' tales couldn't accomplish for me, Jesus did for me, what no man could do for me because they couldn't get me to the pool in time. Just one touch from Jesus' hand, he healed me. And as he's finishing up, I can see again a woman who's pressing through that crowd she's pressed through a crowd before but the time that she pressed through before she pressed through as a beggar she pressed through unclean she pressed through in need of a miracle saying if I could just touch the hem of his garment this time she comes through bold this time she comes through upright and standing straight not ashamed anymore saying I was 12 years unclean but I pressed through and I pressed on until I touched the hem of his garment and now I am clean in the presence of Jesus Hmm. I imagine that a whole group of former lepers then hey just begin to testify and praise God and say you know what I was so dirty I couldn't even live with my family anymore but Jesus touched me and made me clean and I, 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 just, I just, right there, just at the end of that, in, in my story, in my imagination, there's a hush that falls over that crowd as they see a man emerging through. And said, you know what, this Jesus of Nazareth, he was a close family friend. And an illness beset me, and I was about to die. And my sisters trusted in the power of this man, and they called him. And I lay there on my sickbed until finally I expired. And my time was done here on this earth. But still in faith, my my family stood. And one day Jesus showed up. And he wept beside my tomb. And I know that he has compassion on me. And and I was laying there in the darkness of that tomb. I'd been there four days. I'd been there so long that they tell me that my sister said, I wouldn't go in there if I were you. Because he's thinking... But I was laying there in the, in the solemnness of that tomb, the finality of that tomb. And I heard a voice call to me and say, Lazarus, get up. Just like we've sang about today. I've, I heard that voice come out, ring, and it reverberated through every fiber of my being saying, Lazarus, get up. And I began to feel warmth and life returned to my body again. And I got up and I staggered out of that grave. I was dead. And through the power of his name, I've been made alive again. And the, the testimonies continued. They continued all the way from Bethpage to the Mount of Olives. And, and the crowd started just, just erupts. I mean, just, just begins to erupt in this glorious, glorious praise. And perhaps somebody started singing that song. You know, look what the Lord has done. You know, you know, you know, when, they, you know when they sing those songs? I, I love that Exodus passage where it says that Miriam got on the other side of that Red Sea and said I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and the rider he has cast into the sea I, I loved I loved that song that testament of the wonder working power of God 
activated in the life of the believer. And I believe there was a song as such being sung on this day as Jesus is there making his triumphal entry. They're there waving those palm branches and and paving the road with their clothes and all those things. I, I believe that that's what's going on. But they're singing that song of the redeemed. They're singing that song that those seeing who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I want to ask you today, church, do you remember that moment when he saved you? Do you remember the time when the Holy Spirit visited you in great power? Do you think about that time that he healed you? Do you think about the time that he saw you through the trial and the things that he's delivered you from it makes you want to shout thank you Jesus you're worthy Lord of all the glory the honor and the praise and and there was a processional of praise that day paving the way for Jesus little donkey and they were having a worship service to end all worship services and there's some things in scripture that we don't have to imagine because the word is explicitly clear. Some people we don't have to wonder if they were there. And I can tell you this today, church, if you get victory, if you get a breakthrough in your life, if you get the fire of God shut up in your bones, I'm telling you there's some presences in your life that I can just about guarantee, and they're very similar to the ones who were here that the Bible tells us about on this day. The Pharisees were present, of course. Let me, let me give you Steve's definition of the modern-day Pharisee. A Pharisee consists of those holier-than-thou folks who act like they're serving God, but they're so far away from a real experience with the life-changing power of Jesus Christ they're only there out of habit and the only reason they're still hanging around the church is to see if they can find something that somebody else is doing wrong and they said here's king of kings and lord of lords receiving the glory and the honor that's due his name and they said teacher rebuke your disciples in other words, there's, there's no need in all this. You know, I actually had somebody say to me one time in my presence, I thought it was the most ignorant thing I'd ever heard, and I want to relay it to you. <laughs> somebody looking on at a new believer, and they were worshiping the Lord, and they were very zealous in the things of the Lord, and they were, they were just going after it. And they said to me, well... He'll mature, he'll mature out of that soon enough. Let me tell you something, that's not maturity. When your body becomes steel, that's called rigor mortis. When, when you get stiff, it's because you've died. And your body is no longer reflexive or responsive to the move and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not maturity that makes you stand there like a popsicle. It's, 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 it's tradition. It's, it's 
pride, it's ego, it's all these things. But I want to tell you something. There ought to be something when we think about the goodness of God that begins to well up on the inside of us with the, with the, with the, with the, with the understanding that this ain't something i got to do. This is something I get to do. And I want to tell you this today, church. The devil will always provide somebody or something to hinder your praise in an attempt to rob God of his glory. There will be people who can't understand your praise. There will be times in your life when the battle's been hot, the night has been long, the testing has been severe, but when your answer comes, when your need is met, when your deliverance draws nigh, all you're going to want to do is shout praise to God, and not everybody's going to want to join you, but that's okay. Do it anyway. In, in the Old Testament, we see one of the most beautiful pictures of praise. Even, even in this instance, there were those around who didn't understand the passion of the offering of praise. You know, in, in Old Testament Israel, the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen. That thing that symbolizes the very presence of God. It had been stolen away from the house of Israel. And there had been many attempts made to get it back. But this one time in particular, David got into the Word and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into the Word and I'm going to find God's prescribed method for bringing the glory back into my life and I'm going to follow that. And he follows that and the Word says that he successfully brought that ark back to the house of Israel. And as they're approaching the city, David begins to praise. As a matter of fact, all along the way, all along the journey, they praise and they sacrifice to God. And it finally comes again to this big crescendo of praise there, just like we're seeing here on the Mount of Olives, when David the king took his outer king, kingly garment off and he got down in his, in his skivvies like common folks around him and he began to dance and praise God. Just, just shouting, humbling himself before God and praising him with everything he had. And the word says that his wife, Michael, Saul's daughter is sitting up in her ivory palace. She's never had no hard time. She's never had no hardship. Everything in life's been handed to her. She don't understand what that man of God's going through. She don't understand what it means to that, to that psalmist who cried out, Lord, forgive me, cast not your Holy Spirit away. Take not your Holy Spirit away from me. Cast me not out of your presence. She don't know what it's like for him to have that ark back in his life again. What it's like for him to be in the presence of Jehovah again. She don't understand that praise. But when she comes up, when David comes in the house, she says, hey, when you really made a show of yourself, And the word says that she despised him for his praise to the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. Understand this. You're to cheer for God whether anybody cheers for you or not. I love David's response. And I pray that it's the response of every heart in this place. Every time that the adversary comes against you, every time that you feel despised because of the goodness of God that has been manifest in your life. Yeah, can I tell you something today, church? Let me just be honest with you. 
it's a whole lot easier for the people in this world, for human beings, church folks, non-church folks, all the way around, it's a whole lot easier for people in this world to mourn with those who are mourning than it is for them to dance with those who are dancing. I mean, it, it's a lot easier for people to console you when you're hurting than it is for them to celebrate with you when you're winning. It don't matter. God's still worthy. God's still worthy if they never celebrate with you, if they never understand the why behind the praise that you have. God's still worthy of the glory, the honor, and the praise. And David looks at that woman and said, Woman, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's about to get worse. It's about to get worse. Next time, it's going to be worse than it was this time. Don't you let somebody sitting in their ivory tower who's never been through what you've been through, never fought your battle, never run your race, don't you let their attitude towards you determine your praise towards God. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Come on, worship team. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. But he answered and said to them, but I tell you the truth. This is what I learned from the text this week. I tell you that if these, stone, if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. What does that verse tell us? It lets us know that praise is necessary. It's necessary because he's worthy. It's necessary and it's necessary because he's worthy. He's worthy of your praise. Uh, well, pastor, you don't know how I feel. It don't matter. Pastor, you don't know what somebody said to me in the parking. It don't matter. You don't know how bad we It don't matter. He's worthy to be praised. And here's what else we learn is that not only is praise necessary, worship is necessary, but participation is optional. Your participation is optional. You don't have to. You don't have to but you get to you you get to you you get to we don't have to praise him we get to we don't have to praise him but why shouldn't we we don't have to praise him because the rocks can cry out on our behalf if they need to we don't have to praise him but we're the only ones who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and he's looking for worshipers who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. So I want to ask you today, I want to ask you today, is praise a welcome interruption in your life or is praise a distraction from something else we prefer to be doing? 
And I asked our worship team this morning, I said, hey, I want you to cut it a little bit short on the beginning because we're going to come back at the end and we're going to bless the name of the Lord. So I want to tell you something today. For every time that he's lifted your feet out of the miry clay, for every time that he's set your feet on a rock and established you, every time that he's prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies, every time that he's anointed your head with the power of the Holy Ghost, I want you to think about the goodness of God and I want you to lift him up in this place right now. Come on team, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.